Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listeners, let's talk about sex. S-E-X, baby, you and me. On me going down. Now, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. If you want that, listen up right now. BlueChew.com is here and it's ready to save your game in the bedroom. That's blue like the color, Chew.com. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. The performance is perfect. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever opportunity arises. And buddy, let me tell you, opportunity will arise at any moment's notice. Just last week I was at the bar talking to this girl. She had these nice long legs. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe this could lead somewhere. Luckily I had a blue chew in my pocket, performed like a stallion all night, went three Maybe four hours. I didn't time myself, but it was right around that mark. Ended up just being a sweaty mess, but thank you to Blue Chew for keeping me lasting all night. I I came a couple times, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first free shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller. Neil, the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Oh, he banked it in. He banked it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, 9 rebounds, 6 oh. assists from Shane. Oh, oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 no. oh no! Right Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor on the deep phone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 69 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook, and here with me, as always, my co-host, Eric Hawk. Hawk, how's it going today? It's doing well, man. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a great episode. I just I got that feeling in my stomach. And uh, also, we have a guest today on the podcast. Um, he used to be a podcast regular, but he thinks he can just show up three times in three months and think he can be called a co-host right off the bat, but no, he's a guest. I'm just going to let you introduce yourself because I don't really want to say your name. You're kind of like Voldemort in my eyes. I don't even want to, I don't want to say your name. I feel like I always have to introduce myself. I don't want to do that. Everyone knows the voice. It's the smartest guy on the podcast. He's back better than ever. This is Jake light. I, I got, you know, a hundred fans. I have over a hundred followers on Twitter. That's how you know I'm a big deal. So just, just accept that I'm back and I'm going to be back more now than ever before. And you're going to get tired of my takes. So just get used to a big cookie. All right. Before we get into Pacers talk, you wanted to start talking off the bat because it's been so long. So I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you the floor and uh, I'll chime in, but Hawk, you be the primary uh, person in this as I'm, I'm controlling the microphones now between the two of you. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to talk a little NFL. I know um, I, it's, it's tough being a Colts fan right now. Um, I think they have one of the best head coaches in the league, but to be quite frank, um, 
see what I did there. To be quite frank, I just think they're they're missing something. It's not a big deal. Um, I had I got to watch one of the best football teams in the NFL on Sunday dismantle, absolutely dismantle the Miami Dolphins at home. Good teams don't lose to the Dolphins at home. Um,
of Frank Reich and Ballard, like, view Eric Ebron negatively. It was a very harsh interview. The comments were kind of harsh, basically saying he didn't need to go on the IR but chose to go on the IR. So they maligned Eric Ebron, but when Andrew Luck got hurt, they gave him $15 million and acted like he was a hero. So I know I know your answers already, but I thought it was interesting. I think the guests would like to hear your takes as well. I don't know anything going on with the Colts, so I defer to you guys. What's the difference? Ebron quit on his team. Luck quit on his team. One's a hero. One's a goat. Like, what's up? I mean, I, there's definitely a difference. Ebron has had a terrible year, um, all things considered. I mean, the last two games he's played decent. He's catching his targets at the very least, but – Without luck, a guy who's explosive downfield, Ebron's pretty much a negative aspect. And, you know, he, he saw that. Ebron's, you know, he seems like a selfish guy that just wants his money at the end of the day. So he's going to go get healthy and try to get a better contract and use, you know, the Andrew Luck retirement speech to get him a, himself a fat contract. And good for him. That's what he's going to do. Luck's a different scenario entirely. He had a completely different injury history. Yada, yada, yada. The $15 million doesn't hurt anybody besides Ursay, so I don't give a shit about that. So, yeah, you, you're you trying to stir something up here. I, I see what you're doing. You're, you're not as smart as you think you are. <laughs> no, Ebron and Luck is just not even – there's not a comparison. I would see as a – I'm really not trying to stir something. I was honestly thinking about that, but I would be more mad at Luck. He's supposed to be the franchise guy. Dude, we're past that. We're not – no one's here's, talking about Here's that. the thing. They, they, no, they, no, no, they, no, they, no. Hold on. Hold on. They are mad. Yeah. Not coming back. Get over it. Cry yourself to sleep. We're moving on. Yeah, they're mad. They're mad at luck. Um, but they're not gonna say it publicly. Publicly, especially with Ursay, who's drunk and high on cocaine, whatever it may be. He doesn't want to burn that bridge. The guys don't want to burn that bridge because he's a franchise quarterback and a tight end's replaceable. Ebron's going on Twitter during the year liking fans' comments about him playing for the Panthers or other teams during the season. Ebron sucks. He he can't catch. He he's terrible. He's just he needed Andrew Luck. He signed with the Colts to play with Andrew Luck. Once he saw it was Brissett, he pretty much gave up. Um, and he's he's a fuck boy. So um, I would I would I mean I would do the same thing if it if I were the Colts in that case I would pretty much in the public light suck up to Andrew Luck as much as possible behind doors they can talk shit but. I'd talk. I'd say such nice things about him in public, just because if he ever decided he wanted to come back, you would obviously open him back with open arms and want to keep that bridge there. So that's my thoughts. I just thought of something as something just spurred my brain. Um, oh, how perfect of a couple is Jim Irsay and Freddie Kitchens? Like, would they not be like the best friends in the whole wide world? Like, they might even live together if that was you know Irsay's head coach. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know much about kitchens. I just know he sucks. <laughs> he he, uh, he is the worst. But he he drinks. He smokes. He's just a good old boy. I think him and Jim Irsay would like if you lock them in a room together, like a padded room. You can't see out, and you just said write down all your thoughts. That shit would be bananas. B a n a n a s. I think they'd be best friends in the whole world. All right. They basically write Stairway to Heaven too. It sounds like. Ooh, I like that idea. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna end that I'm gonna end that conversation. Uh, we've kind of hit a dead end there. Yep, yep, you sure did. Um. All right, Indiana Pacers played the Memphis Grizzlies on Monday night, defeating them one twenty six to one fourteen. The Pacers' third straight win, and they've improved to ten and six on the season. The Pacers in that game, uh, or excuse me, so like I said, three straight wins, Nets, Magic, Grizzlies. Uh, so in the last ten games, they're seven and three, and it, at home this season, uh, where they currently have a four-game stretch of home games, they are seven and two. Um, so, little fun fact about the Pacers being four games over five hundred. Uh, T.J. Warren, who just joined the team this season, has been in the NBA for six years. And only two of those seasons, including the one this year, has he been on a team that was at least four games over 500 at any point during the season, the last time being his rookie season in 2014-2015. So what are your thoughts on the Pacers' string of games here previously 
and getting four games over that 500 mark after an 0-3 start to the season? Um, I think we've played some easier competition after that brutal back-to-back against you know Houston and the Bucks. That was pretty brutal, and we've kind of just settled in. We've gotten healthy. And, I mean, last night specifically, we just we couldn't miss unconsciously. You know, we've been leaning on the holidays off the bench have been nice. And, you know, obviously Brogdon coming back is a big momentum boost for everybody involved. But, you know, last night we just couldn't miss, plain and simple. And we're getting a lot of good bench play. So, other than TJ Leaf, in these last couple games, you know, our bench play has been incredible. Yeah, I think – we it just looks better when we hit threes. I mean, we shot threes yesterday. We couldn't miss. Like we, it was it was incredible. Aaron Holiday has really impressed me. Um, I think the the key here is I think Edmund Sumner is out of the rotation. I think we talked about that. Let's go. What's wrong? Yeah, that, that means no ass tap for me. Yeah, I. Why did somebody just yell? That was me. I'm excited. I don't have to get an oh. ass tap. Oh, rotation. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I, I think Edmund Sumner needs to be out. I think the thing that the Pacers do better better than anything is get those lower-level contract guys that are they're just solid basketball players. You know that I love T.J. McConnell more than I love just about anything in this world. I always message every time he does something well, and that means I'm messaging all the time. He's a perfect role player. Um, with Holiday starting – or sorry, with Holiday um, shooting at a high percentage, you don't need McConnell to shoot – um, lights out by any means. You just got to play good, solid defense and facilitate that second unit. I just love what the what the Pacers are doing, and it's just going to get even better when Victor comes back. The only thing I'm worried about is sliding Jeremy Lamb into the starting or sorry that second unit. I think it might be one too many guys that just want to get shots up. Um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, maybe I think. Lamb last night was very efficient, so I don't think it's an issue unless one of them gets, like, antsy. And Lamb seems like the guy that he might. I still think Holiday, if him and Lamb, Holiday's going to refer to Lamb a little bit, let the veteran kind of set the pace. But, you know, I don't know. I don't think necessarily it's a bad thing to have too many perimeter shooters in today's NBA or guys that can get to the rim or distribute like they can. Yeah, I think the interesting thing – and we talked about this in the off season stuff before I went MIA for a while, but like, I think TJ Warren's going to have to play the four a little bit. Cause I could foresee there being situations where miles might not be the guy in certain situations that we want in the game. Uh, I think TJ Warren, uh, some sort of combination with lamb and Warren and Oladipo and Brogdon with, with Domas makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I just think the sky's the limit with what we can do, but the problem is Nate's the one pulling the strings, and he has the imagination of, like, a 95-year-old grandma. <laughs> You're starting to sound like comic, dude. I, I'm just saying. I mean, don't don't you guys agree? Like, we've been playing so well last three games. Um, bench is coming along, but, like, we obviously want Victor back. At the same time, is Nate going to be able to make the right decisions? Because there's no way I see Sumner coming back and ready to go. Chris, what do you think? Um, I think that we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. I think we should appreciate what this coaching staff has done so far this season. Um, they're 10 and six and look at all the injury history. So I get what you're saying. I understand that. I'm not sold on Sabonis and Turner in the starting lineup. Uh, but they, they played well together last night. Um, and Turner did his, Turner did his job defensively. He had five blocks. So, um, I mean, I'm not sold on it. I think the coaching staff will figure it out. And uh, too much depth is never a bad thing, especially considering the injury history this team has so far, as well as the thing called load management in the NBA now. The Pacers can afford to rest guys more often uh, considering the depth that they have. So I think they'll be able to give guys nights off or some nights some guys won't play. Uh, they'll get, uh, you know, additional playing time the next game because they can sit somebody. So I think it's a good problem to have, um, and I'm not too concerned. I think I think the coaching staff will figure it out, but I can see there being issues with stubborn Nate at the helm. I got a question. Let's go. If, if you're just talking about the depth, if there's one thing this team needs right now, 
keep in mind Oladipo's coming back, obviously, but now that we're healthy, if there's one thing we need, what is it? I can't, it's hard for me to decide what exactly we would need if we were making a move of some sort. I, to me, the thing I would focus on, I don't think you can have enough wing defenders. I think Chris hit on this. I mean, yeah, we hit on this earlier, but basically TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb have really never played in a meaningful game, like a really meaningful game. Maybe Jeremy Lamb may, had some playoff experience, but like yeah, it's when he, just, played the heat, he played well. When he played against the Heat? Yeah, in the playoffs that okay. one year, like three years ago maybe, but other than that, I'm, you're right. I mean, like literally like defending. I mean, it is – it's just a different game in the playoffs. I think maybe a wing defender – I just and it makes me a little scared for McConnell. McConnell's like that try-hard guy that he's going to do really well, I think, in the middle months of the NBA season. But like, I, he's not going to stop. Like when John Morant, he had to guard John Morant for a little while, and John Morant just rattled off six points. God love TJ McConnell; he was trying. But when guys really want to play, it just makes me nervous. I think we need one more wing defender, but I do think maybe Justin Holiday could be that guy. So I'm just kind of nitpicking here. Well, what do you think, Cook? Um, yeah, Holiday's proven himself uh, that he needs to stay in the rotation when fully healthy. Defensively, he's probably – I probably would say he's maybe the best defender on this team. He's had to guard uh, the two, the three, and the four. He defended Kevin Love at that game we went to pretty well. So he's a guy who I think can get back up four minutes as well uh, if they want to play McDermott at the three still. Uh, I would probably say a true backup forward uh, in case they want to play big. TJ Leaf's not the answer, so we were preaching on it in the offseason about a a backup power forward. So that's what I would go after, uh, a, a more solid stretch four that can you know shoot and defend in that second unit. Not someone who has to play all the time, but if they have to go big, uh, they can go to a guy like that uh, rather than giving TJ Leaf minutes. Yeah, I, I would agree with all those things you said. I, I would make the argument that maybe, and I know we shouldn't be bashing the coaches, but, you know, maybe Nate would be, like, if you could upgrade the head coach, like, seriously, like, to, I would trade, like, I, I would trade, I'd make a big-time trade, like, for a head coach, that just a younger guy like a Stevens or somebody well, according, like that. According, Snyder, according they, to Scott on Twitter, this is – this is gonna be Popovich's last year in San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you tw- want to come down to or come over to Indy up and I mean, over. Twenty-two straight playoff appearances, five NBA Finals uh, won. I mean, it's gonna be his last year in San Antonio for not making the playoffs for the first time in twenty-two years. So maybe. What do you guys think about? What do you guys think about like uh, you, you mentioned the Spurs? They're saying Demar Derozan could be available. Would that be somebody you guys would be interested in, or is he too much like a TJ Warren? Or Jeremy Lamb, where he's he's kind of one dimensional, fifteen foot kind of guy. Like yeah, you know, he plays a like a guy in a Pacers jersey already plays. I don't think he would necessarily. I don't know what you'd have to give up, but I don't think it'd be worth it. Especially, isn't he a free agent? Yeah, that's why like, I, I think it would be somewhat agent, cheap. So someone would, someone's going to give him a shit ton of money next year and overpay for him. So I don't even want to be close to that. Yeah, I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't. Uh, he has really no fit on this team. He's not a three-point shooter. He's a mid-range guy, um, and he's regressed over the last few seasons. Uh, so I, I wouldn't. I think he's got a player option as well. So I think he can opt into like thirty million. So I wouldn't want him to do that. What about a guy like Rudy Gay? Yeah, I think Gay could definitely fit on this team. Just the way he he plays, he would. It'd be interesting because he would take somebody's minutes probably, but you know, Gay would be a better option than uh, DeRozan for me. But then again, it comes down to what you have to give up. A lot of these guys are playing well right now. You don't want to mess with the chemistry. You got to fit Old Depot coming back too. So maybe, maybe nothing. But you know, I'd rather have Gay. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the whole thing, and I know we, we got to move on here, but I think the whole thing with this would be when Victor comes back, somebody's going to be the odd man out, like somebody. I mean, somebody is going to be the odd man out, and somebody's going to be expendable. So, mm-hmm. I just think it, it's a wait and see approach. Like Chris said, let's just enjoy these wins now because we know when Victor comes back, things are going to change, and hopefully, change for the better. Obviously, we're adding the best player on our team back to the roster, but 
it's going to be interesting to say the least down the stretch here as we get into December. All right. Um, well, that was going to be one of my questions later was about the bench depth. So I'll go ahead and mark that off. Um, Beautiful. So uh, last night against the Grizzlies, you mentioned the three point shooting Pacers shot 33 threes last night. Um, that's definitely got to be up there in amounts of threes they've taken in franchise history. Uh, they made 18 of them, which was uh, just under 55%. Another fun fact from the game last night, uh, the starting lineup of Brogdon, Lamb, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. This was only their third start of the season together. The last time they all each started in a game was on October 30th in the win against the Brooklyn Nets, and that was even pushing it because Turner only played in 10 minutes uh, in that game. So starting lineup intact. We've talked about Holiday and McConnell and Justin Holiday off the bench. So I guess my question now is with uh, Aaron Holiday, he's made the game winner against the um, the Orlando Magic. He's playing with a lot more confidence. He got a string of starts there due to all the injuries. So do you think him getting those starts and more of that playing time, playing through mistakes, was the best thing to happen to his career and in this rotation for the Pacers this season. Yeah, I think so. I think for all the shade we throw at Nate, I think maybe sitting him in that game, second game of the year, a lot of people critiqued it, saying you got to just let him run out there. And maybe that would work too. But you know, he he sat him on the bench for a game, and then apparently him and T.J. McConnell have just had this amazing chemistry they keep talking about on the broadcast. So. You know, we're bringing a lot out of him. So I, I think from a coaching standpoint, it was one of Nate's better moves. You know, it's a young guy, so it works. It might not work with, like, a veteran guy. So I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I, th- I think it was really good for Holiday. He just had such a poor first game. Just give him a breather. Like, we thought he was giving up on him, but he clearly wasn't. Holiday is one of those guys. It just makes me nervous because I feel like he could be, like, a starter somewhere else i mean obviously he started for us as well but like i could see it being an issue eventually where he might want to get traded and he would be one hell of an asset but i think while we still have him i see a ton of potential in being maybe like a lou williams type six man who can just get to the rim he can shoot he can do it all like i, I see like six man of the year potential especially now that we have brogdon like i just think i just think if he can if he can somehow harness that and, and really take that six-man role, I think he could be special, like, for a while for the Pacers. Yeah, I don't disagree. All right, uh, coming up, quick preview here for uh, the Pacers' next game, Wednesday night against the Utah Jazz. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, make sure you go check out Hawks' preview blog on bornreadytoblog.com. Uh, oh, baby. The Jazz are currently 11-6. and six. Uh, just like the Pacers, they're seven and three in their last ten games, um, and they're three and five on the road this season. So that bodes well for the Pacers. Uh, most notably, Bojan Bogdanovic makes his return back to Indiana tomorrow, as well as Mike Conley Jr., who is an Indiana native. And you can't forget about George Niang as well off the bench for the Utah Jazz. Um, you can forget. So, what are your thoughts on the hometown guys? coming back specifically on Bojan, any special words that you want to say for him prior to the game? Yeah, I think uh, first off, Go Bears missed three games in a row, and I think he's probable because I think he almost played in their last game, so he's going to be playing. But as far as Bojan, he's increased his average for like the third or fourth straight year. You know, he's hitting over like 55% of his threes taken this year, so He's, he's flourishing in that offense, you know, that's predecessor on, like, just moving the ball and getting the open guys' looks. And, you know, every night he's making big shots. He's had a game winner. It, it makes me a little sad. I, I miss it, honestly. Um, you know, but uh, I like seeing him do well because I feel like he, he really flourished his career here and, and he got he got what he deserved in, in Utah. It just kind of sucks it didn't work out. But big Bojan fan at the end of the day. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Love that. Oh, now I can see you. <laughs> I just, for some reason, it switched over. So I'm just laying in my bed. So you guys can you guys can watch me talk. But, um, yeah, I, I think Bojan is going to be awesome because we're going to say hit the damn music hopefully like one time. Like we, we need to give him one hit the damn music on us. But if he hits 
like if he goes crazy, like I'm going to play him in FanDuel because he's going to try to score 100 points. Like he's going to just shoot so many of those corner threes, I can't even imagine. And then George Niang, he's he was kind of the Alize Johnson before Alize. And so, like, I remember all of the Pacer Nation loved him. Remember, he was the next Draymond Green. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, he was the next Draymond. And, uh, well, and now he's playing on the Utah Jazz. So, I just – I think we'll be okay. I think I think this is a game we could win. I think Gobert might have 475 rebounds in this game because we know what opposing centers do to us on the boards. But, overall, I'm pretty confident with what we got. And I think we're going to pull off the W. Yeah, I really wish you would turn off your video because I don't like watching you while you're talking. Well, how do I yeah. do I, It's creepy. It? Um, anyways, Gobert, questionable, uh, like Hawk said, more likely probable. Uh, hasn't played for a few games um, and obviously going to have an impact on the game if he plays. Uh, the biggest thing, though, the Jazz, their top scorers, Donovan Mitchell. He's averaging over 25 points per game this season. And also Bogdanovich, who's averaging uh, close to 21 points per game. So I think if the Pacers um, can stop at least one of those guys, I feel like they would have a good chance at winning this game because the third highest score uh, on the Jazz is Mike Conley at 14. So um, what do the Pacers have to do to stop one of either Mitchell or Bogdanovich in this matchup? You got to be like a dog with a bone. That's what you got to do. You just got to be like a dog with his bone, and you just got to be aggressive, and you just got to rough him up a little bit, and that's what it really comes down to. You just... (laughs) You just gotta love. You just gotta love the challenge. Um, the biggest thing for us, the biggest thing for us is, are we gonna be able to stay in front of Conley? It seems like Conley always plays well against us, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, that was my point. I can't. I can't stop getting distracted because now Jake's showing his dogs and he's messing with them and he's doing inappropriate things to his dogs. I'm gonna have to call Peta here soon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, back to the Jazz. They're gonna we play similar styles. You know, Nate's preset on slowing it down a little bit, moving the ball, getting the open shot, and that's exactly what Quinn Snyder I think's perfected. You know, they got a little better shooters in the perimeter, so you gotta just give up to the challenge. A little bit of what Jake said. I think you gotta play physical with them, make sure everything's contested. They're not gonna be the same kind of pace that the Grizzlies were, but at the same time, I think we have a decent enough team to maybe get a little run in us too. If, if we get one of our big guys off the court. So, you know, I'm not really that nervous. I think it's going to be a good game, and the spread's not out yet. I, I guessed it would be one-and-a-half Pacers, so I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, and as you said, that very close game, the Jazz and the Pacers, both very similar teams. Uh, the Pacers are averaging 108 points per game this season. The Jazz are averaging 107 points per game. Uh, the Pacers are giving up 104 points per game this season. The Jazz are giving up 103.5 points per game this season. So crazy similar numbers there. feel like the Jazz have always been considered as the Pacers of the West or the Pacers as the Jazz of the East. Um, so very similar teams. I think it's going to be a good game. So that leads me into this for predictions. So I don't care which one of you predicts first, but I want to hear predictions, score, and player of the game. I'm going to say Pacers 106, Jazz 104. It's going to be a nail-biter. Aaron Holiday hits another big shot late for us. And uh, player of their game, I'll just go TJ Warren has back-to-back big nights. Oh, dang it. Okay, so I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I'm going to say we win 98-94. And, man, I was going to say TJ Warren, too. I could see Jeremy Lamb having a really good game. And, and yeah. I think somebody somebody off the bench is going to have to have a nice game as well. I just assume it's going to be McConnell because he's a superstar. Um, but somebody off the bench is going to honestly have to have a pretty good game. I'll go Jeremy Lamb. One of those two are going to have a good game because they yeah. struggle guarding, they struggle guarding with the wing player. So I, I think it'll be T.J. Warren, but just because Hawks said T.J. Warren, I'll say Jeremy Lamb. I think either one – I think one of those two are going to have 20-plus points. Yeah, I agree. And then – the Jazz's last 20 matchups, 14 of those games have hit the under. So if you're betting, the under is the smart bet tonight. Um, I'm going to go with the law of averages and say Pacers 108, Jazz 103. Um, okay. Just with the uh, averages there being so similar. Player of the game, I'm going to go Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, 
coming back, getting into his groove last game. I'm going to say it right here on the podcast, Brogdon gets a triple-double. So, there it is. You better bet bet that. Um, Bet that. That's some serious cash. Throw 10 on it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. No betting luck. If I want it to happen, I'm going to stay away from that. So, Dude, I hit – can we talk about bets or do we need to move on right now? Go ahead. Tell us about your bet that we all care about. Oh, you guys do care a lot about it, don't you? Okay, so – I just I figured out that if you just like let these games start out a little bit, somebody gets hot. Like like Jaron Jackson, he got hot, so I knew he wasn't gonna pass at all. So I just went under on assists, like twenty bucks, easiest money ever. It was the easiest money ever. Like just let the games go, and then the live. Yeah, but you got that. I don't act like you just got that idea. You got the idea from me. No, you you do the you do the over unders late and then like you screwed me over one time I went like ten dollars on Golden State like minus or plus forty three and they screwed me. I got it was forty five I believe. Look and Chris lost up minus forty five. Look Hawk, Hawk once said Hawk once said if you got a plus twenty five you got to take it. I saw a plus forty and I thought this is easy money and those assholes lost by fifty. Lost money on it. I just here's what I do. Here, you can't go wrong. You you bet that the the center for the opposing team is over on points and over on rebounds. Valanciunas cashed easy, like done. Then what you do is you pick a guy in the second unit because we always give up second unit uh, like point guard points. It's really stupid. So I like went like Dil- uh, not even Dylan Brooks. I do it somebody else. Like once the game started, easy money. And then you just bet that Sabonis is going to have like 25 rebounds and usually you hit that too. I mean, it's just awkward. All right. Um, So ending this, before we take a quick break, going to around the association. Um, Pacers upcoming schedule this week, not only the Jazz game on Wednesday, they play the Atlanta Hawks Friday. That's the Black Friday game at Bankers Life, tip off at 8. And then they also have a big one on Saturday. They travel to Philadelphia to face off against the 76ers. So uh, both crucial matchups or three crucial matchups this week for the Pacers. Uh, Banker's Life game on Black Friday is always fun. So uh, I recommend you go check that out. I think they're going to have a deal on ticket prices as well Thursday night. So you might want to check out those deals. Um, But anyway, that's going to wrap up uh, our little preview and uh, recap there. And we're going to take a quick break. My bookie is going to... uh, has some good odds for uh, Thanksgiving this week. So uh, we got a quick ad read and then we'll be back with around the association coming up right after this. Attention past, present and future. My bookie players for this week only my bookie is offering a risk free bet on the bears lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congratulations. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. My bookie will give you all of your money back. It's an, a, a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to sports bet but have lots of questions? Don't sweat it. My bookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process, and the best part is if you join now, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code CHAIR. That's C-H-A-I-R, chair and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll and that's on top of the risk-free bet let me repeat that's guaranteed deposit match and risk-free bet for this week only so if you're a true football fan you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by you simply cannot lose make sure you do your part to support your team this season hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie you play you win, you get paid. It's time for the Association. Presented by Born Ready to 
I I love the evil laugh that you've been doing at the end of those. Um, all right, so uh, first here on the list, Born Ready to Blog, a new blogging website online, released their first official NBA Power Rankings of the season. Top ten of the rankings as follows: Bucks, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Celtics, Raptors, Heat, Mavericks, Rockets, Sixers. The Pacers came in at number 11. What are your initial thoughts on Born Ready to Blog's first official power rankings? Is that me that's going to start this discussion off? Absolutely. First off, people just love power rankings. I remember when I was in high school, I would just get on ESPN every, like, so many periods and just check the power rankings. And it was more fun then because it would always be with the Colts and we'd always be our knees on top and we had Peyton Manning. So people are addicted to these power rankings. And it looks like what you did is pretty simple. Just listed their games and record and, you know, objectively ranked them. And I really got no problems with it. The Clippers, you know, they have five losses. They're ahead, but we all know, you know, with the addition of Paul George being back and what all they have, and, you know, and the way they rest certain guys that, you know, they're going to be in there till the end. So I don't necessarily agree with any disagree with anything I should say. And, you know, the Bucks look like a wagon again and Middleton's going to be healthy. So, you know, it's going to be the Bucks there all year, I think, at number one. Yeah, I think the Bucks at number one. That's that's a clear cut favorite. I almost thought I almost thought he was going to go Lakers. Just to get more clicks, like I thought that, oh. that, or or I thought we were going to go Lakers lower to get. More clicks. I think yeah. we'll figure that out as we go, like how to get more clicks. But if I say how to get more clicks one more time, I'm probably going to stab my own eye out. But yeah, you're right, Hawk. They love rankings. I just thought of a great power ranking, by the way. Pacers on our shit list. Like have a shit list. All the whole roster. Who's the number one? Like TJ Leaf probably will never not be number one. But that's an idea. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, I think Pacers at number 11 is fair. Um, obviously, that's a playoff team. We're probably a mid-tier playoff team, especially without Oladipo. But we've proven that we can play with guys. Um, or we can play with teams, good teams, bad teams. Uh, like, we're just going to be solid. So, I think 11 is really fair. And, obviously, we talk about the NBA quite often. So, like, it didn't surprise me that we did, we mostly agreed with what uh, Chris had to say. So, I thought it was solid. Chris, anything you wish you would have changed? No. I got like this. Even, even like looking, I, even looking at that, like you think maybe what's what's the top level the Pacers could get at in your eyes? I could see them being better than the Raptors. I could see them being better than the Heat, the Mavericks, and maybe the Celtics. So I'd say yeah, so I'd say top seven. On here, you think will rise the most. Say that again. What's a team on here you think will rise the most? Brooklyn's obviously won like four in a row, so maybe they could keep rising, but they're getting in kind of the part where they don't really have the wins to jump anybody right now. And, you know, obviously 76 ers so 10 on your power rankings, 11 and 6, they've kind of underperformed in a lot of people's eyes, so maybe them. But who's another team you think could rise or fall the most? I think that uh, the Pelicans, I think if Zion comes back, and I'm not saying they're going to rise significantly, but I put them, I think it. 18 or something like that. So I think they could uh, rise up into those higher, the higher teens if he comes back and is what everybody says he is. I also would say the Portland Trailblazers. I think they've just very much underperformed. Lillard's missed some time. They just got Carmelo, which isn't really a great thing, but he's been playing well, a decent, um, definitely showing that he didn't deserve to be uh, sitting on his ass for the last year. So, I think the Trailblazers, I think they're better than where they're at. Um, they always seem to put together a solid season in the regular season, and I it just hasn't started off well for them this year. So they're one that I could see jumping, um, and uh, I think everyone else pretty much is kind of – we're early, but they're, they're kind of where they need to be, top 15, bottom 15, where they should be at. Uh, Orlando Magic as well, another one that pops up. I thought I put them pretty low, but they haven't performed well this season. So those are the ones that come up to the top of my head. So anyway, 
All right, next up, Anthony Davis is set to make his return to New Orleans to face off against the Pelicans in his first time ever as a Los Angeles Laker on Wednesday night. Davis is averaging 25.1 points per game and 9 rebounds per game this season as the Lakers currently hold the NBA's best record at 14-2, even though they've played a relatively easy schedule. Still pretty impressive. What are your expectations for Davis's welcome back in New Orleans on Wednesday? Um, I think all 25 Pelican fans are going to be there. I think those 25 fans are going to make it relatively loud. They're going to boo him. Um, and then there are going to be a lot of like pan shots over to Fat Zion eating gumbo. That's my prediction. That's not a bad prediction, if we're being honest, but... I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. You know, he was kind of shit show when he left. He wore the "That's All, Folks" shirt at the end of their playoff run. You know, when they were down, which and then he sat on the bench, which was just a crazy move. You know, so I, I don't think he left. It's no secret he didn't leave on the best of terms. So I would expect booze from them t- those twenty-five fans as well. Yeah, I, I imagine he's going to come in there. And you know, I I think I think the Pelicans win this game. Um, you know, it's going to be their biggest game of the season. I don't know if the Lakers play there again, but it's the biggest game of the season. Uh, I don't know if Davis is going to show out. We saw earlier with Porzingis returning to returning to New York. Uh, the Knicks played up to their competition that night and won, even though they've only won four games. So I can see the Pelicans winning this game, and I hope they do. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the line's at. All right, moving on. Boston point guard Kimba Walker sustained a neck sprain Friday night against the Denver Nuggets when he collided with his own teammate, Simi Ojale, one of Hawks' favorite players. The injury looks serious in the moment, but it's been reported since that Walker is going to be fine. Walker missed Monday night's game at uh, against the Kings, but is expected to return here soon. Did you see the injury, and how good should Celtics fans be feeling uh, after they received this good news over the last couple days? What could have been a very dangerous situation? Yeah, Jake, you got to start. I haven't even seen the video. I'm about to look it up. I just watched the video really quick on SportsCenter. Um, it, it wasn't – I thought it, was, it did look rough, but I think immediately, like, Boston came out. And basically, they made Boston fans feel better. He didn't automatically rule them out. And it just, with things like that, it just seems like if they're super duper scary, like, you know, immediately, like, with Twitter and everything now, they make it very apparent that something bad is is going on. And since they didn't do that, I felt confident that Kim would be back relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, I just watched the video. Looks like it, does it bounce right off his knee there? Uh, it looks like it's like forearm or something. Either way, that's rough, and they should definitely be lucky because without Kemba, he just brings a certain you know charisma and teammateship that you know Kyrie Irving never had. So I'm actually a little more frightened of him this year, honestly. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, two more here on the list. Uh, actually, and then I got a surprise one at the end. With all the talk being on James Harden and Luka Doncic early this season, Giannis Antetokounmpo is having himself a quote-unquote quiet NBA season, averaging 31 points per game and nearly 14 rebounds per game. Monday night, the reigning MVP became the first player since Michael Jordan in 1989 to score 50 points and have at least 10 rebounds and 5 assists with no turnovers in the game. Should people be talking more about what this guy is doing along with the Bucks, who are currently sitting at 14-3 and three and having one of their best players injured? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't – most people probably don't really care about the NBA until after, you know, the all-star break or a certain point after football's over and maybe you'd get more attention. But I think he's getting somewhat respect. I mean, he's the reigning MVP. Milwaukee's not the biggest market or anything, but – you know, it's him and James Harden once again, and then it's kind of the same guys that were doing it last year. So what do you think, Jake? Sounds like he's having some technical difficulties. Wait, did I, did you, can you guys hear me now? No, I can. Yeah, we can hear him now. 
Okay, so what did you say, Jake? I was honestly making faces trying to make you guys laugh while you were talking. I think you probably – did you see that? No. Yeah, that's, I think that's why my computer stopped working is because your ugly-ass face. Well, that's fair. Um, yeah, I – I don't really have much. I don't have. I don't have much to comment on it, honestly. But <laughs> I, I just like at the end of the day, like as I'm as I'm pondering the NBA, right? And you're just thinking, like, we don't really even talk about James Harden as much anymore. It's just expected that if he doesn't score 35, like he had a bad game. It's just crazy that Giannis is able to do all of this and go relatively unnoticed. He's in the city of Milwaukee, which is relatively unnoticed and like the new hot thing is like Luca and it's Trey Young every single night with the highlights like it doesn't surprise me that Giannis isn't getting his fair due but at the same time ask the Bucks fans if they care because they have a chance to win an NBA title and Giannis is clearly I think he's clearly the best player in the NBA like a two-way guy he can do anything on the court literally anything he can be your rim protector he gets other people involved. Um, the only question mark he has is three-point shooting, and he's been hot a couple games. So He's been hitting threes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's he's been hot. So, I mean, if he figures out how to shoot the three ball, we're all in trouble. And he has a chance to just be dominant for the next decade. So, I we're do looking, think, yes, I think he's underappreciated, yes. But I also think that it's kind of what we do. Like, we want the shiny new toy. We want Lamar Jackson. Like, that's – like, they were saying that – Lamar Jackson's better than Pat Mahomes today. Like, we want the shiny toy in America, and that's just – it is what it is. Yeah. Giannis is – I think we're already in trouble, to your point. I don't think it's coming. I think we're in trouble. Right. And, you know, I don't think they necessarily care. I don't think Giannis cares. He's just a guy that wants to work his ass off and get better. It's perfect type of guy that you want. So, it's terrifying. And you're making these faces at me, and I'm not even flustered, man. I don't even care. you you're not gonna break my computer again, but Giannis uh, is unbelievable. I'm pretty. I made the point earlier. I don't think people really care as much until after the All Star break. Get to that point and then start doing what you're doing, and then more people will, will notice. I think or take notice. But as far as everyone else on Twitter, I think people are noticing. I mean, it's Giannis. He's awesome to watch. All right, uh, big topic here, and then like I said, one small topic after this. But this is the big one. Sources reported on Saturday that the NBA League office is considering making changes to the current postseason format. The changes discussed include the following. Shortening the NBA regular season to 78 games. Reseeding the four teams in the Western Conference Finals, which would end up in a potential East-East or West-West NBA Finals matchup. A 30-team in-season tournament. Um... And also postseason play-in for the 7th and 8th seed in both conferences. So I believe it would be from the 7th to the 10th seed play-in for those two seeds. Uh, The goal is to implement these changes by the 2021-2022 NBA season. There's obviously more details uh, to these and also more details coming. But what were your initial thoughts uh, when you saw these changes reported the other day? So you said they want to do a 30-team in-season tournament? Yes. So what does that entail? Just like a little, we're going to stop positive and just play a tournament with everybody? Yeah, I think it's just like single elimination, something like that. And I think there'll be like bonuses, uh, like monetary bonuses. I'm not sure there'll be any playoff considerations from this, but I'm not 100%. I think mostly I saw the reward would be money because money motivates everyone, so... Yeah, so take off three games at the end of the year and add this tournament in there. It's not a terrible idea. I don't necessarily think it's needed, but the NBA is always messing with stuff, tinkering with things. I don't know. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that they're trying to mix it up. The NBA has kind of gotten stale, and it's gotten to the point where regular season games don't matter. So throwing an in-season tournament will at least create some sort of um, you don't want to call it hype because it's probably not going to be super hypeish, but it's going to be different. And the NBA is always looking to make their product better, and so that's huge. And I, I think the less regular season games makes a lot of sense, especially there's so many small market teams. Like if you notice at the end of the year, there are a lot of small market teams that are like under 
in terms of like they lose money in the season. Like it's really weird. And so based on the ticket revenue sales, so it would not surprise me to see them make some changes. And to be honest with you, I just kind of want to see what happens. I, I think it could be interesting. Maybe less guys would rest. I don't know. The NBA does have a problem. Like, you know, when you buy a ticket to the Clippers game, it seems like there's a 50-50 chance if you see Kawhi Leonard. Like, especially if he's playing on the back, on a doubleheader, like back-to-back. I mean, they got to do something. I think it would be interesting. Cook, what do you think? I, I mean, you, you like the NBA the way it's set up now. So, like, what are your thoughts on it? I don't like the tournament. I think it's pointless. I don't see myself as a fan getting uh, involved in that. I don't really, I know that I think I saw soccer does something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, they can shorten the NBA season. Who cares by four games, whatever. Um, and then the postseason play in for the seventh and eighth seed. That's the, really the only thing that I think intrigues me. Um, but we've seen that in baseball, they play for the wild card. So has that really helped out baseball at all with the single elimination wild card game? I mean, does that get good ratings? Because that's what it's for. So, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of pointless. Uh, the East-East-West-West potential finals matchups might be interesting because sometimes two of the best teams are in the same conference. So, I get that. Uh, but, I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it, uh, in my opinion. Maybe doing a slight change for the 7th and 8th seed uh, to start off with. But I don't like the tournament. I think it's pointless, and I wouldn't be interested in that. So... So how does it work? Do are they going to vote on these changes soon, or is this just the first proposal? What's what's the deal there? Yeah, I believe it. I believe this is one of the first proposals, and obviously they're going to be working on this and that between that. I don't really yeah. know exact exactly how it works, um, but at some point they're going to vote on it with something official. I think this is just kind of like the first draft of their proposal, and maybe there's going to be some changes. Something will be left off. Maybe they'll add something. Uh, but yeah. we we just don't know what that is. So, mm-hmm. all right, last topic here, and then we'll uh, wrap up episode sixty nine. It was reported Papa John, the guy who owned Papa John's uh, restaurant from from Ball State, Hawks alma mater, um, he reported in an interview. He was ousted as the CEO last year. He reported in his interview that he eats he ate forty Papa John's pizzas in thirty thirty days. So my question to you is, could you eat 40 Papa John's pizzas in 30 days? Absolutely not. I've had this vision that Papa John's is better than it is just because the days when I used to eat a little unhealthier that I used to love it. And now I got it recently just for nostalgia. I don't really get pizza that much. Or if I do, it's only from Pizza King or, you know, or uh, Gabe's Pizza and Kokomo, the greatest, the greatest in my opinion. But I got it recently and I got to say, man, it was the greasiest son of a bitch pizza I've ever had. It ran right through me. I could not afford you eating a pizza and a tenth of a pizza a day. Like something's wrong with you. He spoke at Ball State's graduation when I graduated. I didn't make it because I was super hungover. You know, I just wanted to make the actual other part where I got the diploma, but I did not make the morning ceremony. You know, by all accounts, he, he sounded like a fool and he, He's an interesting character. You know, he's obviously he obviously built a franchise, yada, 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 alumni of Ball State. But I, I, this is the most psycho thing I've ever heard. I don't, I don't think he's being accurate. When did he start sounding like Ed Orgeron? <laughs> That's the thing. I think they masked his voice for all those commercials. Maybe. It may, that would make a lot of sense. But, no, I could. I, I, could. I could eat the pizzas if I had to choke them down, but... I literally just ate a pizza, as I'll prove. Like, I just ate the pizza while you guys were talking, so this was great. Um, but, yes, I could eat the pizza, but I would really prefer not to be Papa John's because I think it tastes like crap. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to do what that one guy did at McDonald's, eat there the whole, and just document yeah. it and just see how unhealthy you'd become. There's no way any of your organs would work after 40 pizzas in 30 days. Yeah, and then like, and even that, like, you gotta have that garlic. If you don't have the garlic, are you really eating Papa John's? Like, you won't have a salt poop for like almost two months after. I that's what I'm saying. Like, you would just drink a lot of water. You would just like dip the breadsticks, dip your pizza in garlic, and then you would just it would just like all slide through, and then that's that's the way you have to do it. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. Papa John's because your career is over. 
All right. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 69 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Uh, and Thanksgiving coming up. We didn't have any really Thanksgiving wishes. Do you guys have any Thanksgiving wishes for the listeners before we wrap it up here? Um, eat a lot and, uh, you know, don't be that guy that, that gets drunk and says something creepy. Yeah, I think the best advice I can give you, definitely, if, if you're going to, like, your grandma's house, definitely make sure that you thank her for the food. If it's mom's house, make sure you're super thankful. And then, like, maybe get a little tipsy and go spend a little too much money on Black Friday and just make yourself feel good. Yeah, I will be at the Pacers-Hawks game Friday. I got a suite with Thunder Dan. No big deal. I know you guys are jealous about that, but I get to see our other favorite team, the Hawks, play. So as so, Hawk just said on record on the podcast that he, there will be an injury Friday night. Um, so the last time you were in a suite with Thunder Dan was what night was that? I can't remember. <laughs> you know, it, it eludes me. I think 9-11 happened. <laughs> It, no, what happened? Oh, I don't want to say that, but people would get on me. But yeah, we lost Oladipo, so like, not great. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, nothing like that's gonna happen. It's gonna be a clean game. We're gonna win by a thousand. Okay. Well, if something does, something bad does happen, you know where to go. I will personally join you in burning Hawk's house down if if there is an injury of some sort in that game. So uh, that's gonna wrap up episode sixty nine of the Born Radio Pod podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys and happy holidays. Whatever you may be celebrating this week, have a great weekend and we'll see you guys next week. See ya.